Hey, today is a cool, pretty cool message in my opinion. I've never really said that about my messages, but this one I'm excited about because I truly, truly believe we need to hear uh, this message. Um, I believe everyone needs to hear this message. And I'm telling this breathe because I believe there are difficult times we face in life and we really don't breathe regularly when we go through those times. But first, before I get into it, I want to give credit to Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok, who really is uh, my spiritual mentor and really invested in me from the pulpit point of view, uh, from my family point of view, because I heard this message from him, okay? And when he gave this message, Breathe, I knew, man, our church needs to hear this, and every believer and non-believer needs to hear this right now so they can come to Jesus Christ. You know, understand that the message he spoke really inspired me in my home and in me personally, And I want this to resonate in you as well, so I'm trusting that the Spirit of God will minister to you in a way that's relevant and so personal to you. You know, when we think about breathing, especially uh, naturally breathing, it's something that is just, it's just natural to us. You know, if we would sit still for a second, and if we would shut all noises off, I mean, maybe the AC and the, the, the traffic outside and just all noise, we probably would hear each other breathing. You know, and when you think about breathing and how natural it is, it's something you don't even think about. You just naturally do it, correct? But when you hold your breath, who's ever held their breath before? When you hold your breath, that's not natural. It's not. You know, a quick side story. I never knew this about myself until I got married to my wife. And she says that in the middle of the night, I would hold my breath. And she would just know, and she would, like, hit me, like, wake up. And then she would say, I would go, and then she was like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, why are you waking me up? Like, I had no idea. That's not natural, Jesse. You don't, you don't hold your breath in your sleep. Why do I do that? I don't know. Do I still do that, baby? No, not anymore. That was in the beginning. So, But for some reason, I guess in the middle of the night, I would hold my breath, and Madi would say, that's not natural. You don't do that. You don't scare me, number one. <laughs> number two, you keep breathing. You know, but what I'm saying is when we hold our breath, it's not a natural thing because it really takes effort and it really takes timing. Now, I've been personally enjoying this summer with my family, with my wife and my four kids. We've been going to the beach. We've been going to the pools. We've been taking some boat trips with some friends. It's just been a fun time. Lake Michigan is beautiful, by the way. I mean, it's just beautiful here, okay? But here's the thing. My two older kids, I have four children. My two older ones, who are nine and seven, have grown and learned through swimming lessons how to hold their breath. Okay, I think a lot of us have gone through that, maybe children as well. But we've learned to, to hold, they've learned to hold their breath at a certain timing and how long to do it as well, too. So uh, the other day we're in a pool and my two ki- older kids are just jumping, Dad, check this out, and then jumping in and, hold, you know, plugging the nose, doing all that deal. But when they come back up, they're breathing again. And I can rest assured and have confidence because of their training that they're not breathing underwater because that would not be good, Okay. But I have two little ones who is two and five, and they're still learning. And I, there was a couple of times where I would, I'm not a bad parent, I promise you, but I would grab my son, okay, who is a two-year-old, and I'll put him underwater, come back up really quick, like really, really fast, because I want him to learn how to hold his breath. But when he would come out, he'd go, ah, and just start crying, because he doesn't have the concept and doesn't know how to give effort and understand timing of holding your breath. Because it's, it's, not, it's not natural to him yet. He's not quite there. You guys getting what I'm saying? Breathing is natural. Not, uh, holding your breath is not natural. 
Okay, it's, it's, it's effort and time behind that. And the reason why I share that story and talk about this breathing is because we need to do the same thing in our walk and life as well. When we come to Jesus Christ, we need to understand that we can have this natural breathing of our Heavenly Father. And that's having joy. That's having peace. That's having purpose for our lives. I'm going to say that again. We can naturally breathe in Christ when we come to him and have him in our lives. We can naturally have joy, peace, and purpose for our lives. But I believe a lot of times we don't experience that. We don't encounter that because we put a lot of effort in the worries and in the anxieties, and we don't quite understand the timing of things. And so what happens is we feel like we're, we're, we're holding our breath as soon as we go into this circumstance. We hold our breath as soon as we go into this problem. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you can have this natural breathing in your life of joy, of peace, of purpose, of direction for you if you just rely and rest in me. Look at your neighbor and say, breathe. Now, now smack them. No, don't smack them. But just check if they're breathing. They're breathing. They're breathing. <laughs> Again, we don't experience this because I believe we just hold our breath in life when we face these circumstances. But God doesn't, he doesn't want that for you and in your breathing life. He doesn't want that in the walk. He, what he really wants is for you to have confidence and assurance that he's with you. I'll say that again. He wants to make sure you know and you have confidence and assurance that he is with you. You know, uh, that day when I was in the pool at a friend's house, um, they had this little, they, they're here, they don't even know that I used it. But they had this little snor snorkeling thing. What are they called? Is it snorkel? That's what it's called, snorkel? It just sounds weird. Snorkel. Okay, so I, and I, I put that thing in my mouth, and I went underwater, and I was just playing with it. I've never tried that before in my life. Never went snorkeling, never did any of that. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. So I go under, and I went under, and I, I swallowed water. <laughs> I didn't know, okay? I'm like, this thing better keep me alive, right? And I come out and I, blah. and my wife goes, you don't go underwater with that thing? You got, I guess you got to stay right above. So I'm like, okay. When I'm in a pool, I'm a kid. I'm just saying that right now. Okay, I love it. But I'm, okay, so then I, I finally get the concept of what this tool is about, right? And I was next to the steps, and I wanted to just do this thing. No one knew. I just went underwater. I wanted to see how long I could be underwater with the snorkel. And I think I was under it for like three minutes, which was pretty cool, just breathing, breathing. Now, without that snorkel, man, that sounds so weird. Without that snorkel, you know, without that little thing, I, I, I couldn't last three minutes underwater. But that served its purpose, and it gave me the ability to breathe underwater. You know, when you come to Jesus, it's the same. He gives you the ability to breathe while you go through things on life. He gives you teachable moments, by the way. I'm not saying God is doing these things to you. That's not, that's not what I'm teaching on. Okay, and I'm not even talking, I don't even believe that. But I believe times when we go through things, maybe because of our, maybe, maybe we've put ourselves in that position, we can still have that breathing time with him in peace, purpose, and, and, and patience and joy. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, that I am always with you to the end of age. He says, I am always with you. And Moses said this in Deuteronomy eleven twenty one. He says, days of heavens upon the earth. Days of heavens upon the earth. In other words, he's saying, what he's trying to say is your life can have purpose. It can have joy on this earth if you allow the breath of God to be a part of your breathing. If you allow the breath of God to be a part of your breathing, it's like heaven on earth. Inwardly, 
You can walk this life inwardly having assurance that I'm, I'm, I'm destined for good things, God, and I am a blessing for people that are I am the light of the world. That's heaven upon earth, guys. It doesn't mean circumstances changes around us, but what changes is the heart and the mindset. And that's what God wants. It's the heart. You know, I encourage people, don't settle, just, just live in a life of just getting by. I will always encourage that. Don't feel like, oh, I'm just a head, a, a, a head above water, because God wants you to walk on that water. He's designed you to do so. So what I say is live a life, don't, don't settle, but live a, uh, live a life without the addictions and without depressions. He says you don't have to have that. You don't have to settle for that. But I believe a lot of times we allow stress we allow distractions. We allow, you guys ready for this one? Busyness, all right? Busyness to hold us back from what God truly has for us. You know, I, I, again, I have four children all under the age of 10, okay? And it's, it's an adventure. And it takes a lot of energy and a lot of chasing, especially with my two-year-old. Chasing, a lot of it. But you have to understand that my busy life cannot neglect what God has blessed me with in my home. You know, I, I love what I do. My, my, my vocation here is ministry. I love, and I, in, a, in a sense, I believe everyone in Christ's vocation is ministry. I mean, you can go to, if you're working in an office or in a factory or, or anywhere else on the road, I believe God has a ministry there for you personally as well, too. But let me tell you something. It starts at home for me. It starts at home. Stress and distractions and busyness, if I allow that to build up, it builds this wall before me and my wife. It builds this wall before me and my children. And what's happening is I, I am now not able to breathe. You know, there, in the book of Luke, there are two sisters. Their name is, her, her name is Martha and the other one name is Mary. All right. And in Martha and Mary, they have two different mindsets. I, I don't have time to read the whole thing. I encourage you to go to Luke. And read about these two sisters. But you'll see that Jesus comes to the house of Martha and Mary. And the two mindsets is Martha is busy, consumed with busyness, and distracted by all the things that are going on in preparation. And starts noticing and stressing out that her sister Mary is not helping her. While on the other hand, you have the mindset of Mary, who is sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging with him, and consuming that time. And, and, and in a sense, breathing. And able just to learn from him. And again, the, Martha, with the mindset of stress and distracted, gets so distracted and stressed out and upset that she actually goes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's not even helping me? But Jesus stands up for what's right and says, what Mary's doing, no one can take. You know, and, and, and that time that he, she spends with the Lord is actually building and edifying. She's doing the right thing. You know, and I love how Jesus, how he just approaches Martha. It's not through a, you know, bashing, rebuking type of way. It's, it's a kindness, compassion, and love, and also a teachable moment for her. And, and he has this compassion for her and says, look, you should go do the same. You know, if you look at the mindset of Martha, now the mindset of Mary, there is a difference between the sisters, and that's called margin. Margin. And margin's not the other sister, the third sister, Okay. <laughs> Not Martha, Mary, and Margin. The margin I'm talking about is that Mary was able to give space and time and borderline everything else so I can spend time with Jesus. 
And I believe there is so much out of that that we can learn. If we are consumed, if we are so tied up, I, I, didn't, I didn't get in my word today. I didn't, I didn't really get in my prayer closet today. Hey, maybe there's a margin issue in our personal lives. You know, and I say this with confidence because I have so many conversations of that. I would ask, I would challenge, hey, how's the Bible reading going? How's your time with God going? Ah, just, I'm on overtime right now, or, or I just don't have time, or my little ones are, I get the busyness, but we should not allow that to hinder us or stop us from having that time with Jesus. And then we wonder, why am I stressed out? Why am I so distracted? And it's because Jesus is saying, hey, create that margin, have time with me, prioritize that. You need to understand, church, that we, and I need to understand this too because I miss it sometimes, that we all need to create margin in our life. For instance, it may be 1 o'clock p.m. and you have an appointment at a dentist, let's just say a dentist appointment, at 1.30. And you live on one side of the town knowing it's going to take you about 25 minutes to get to the other side. And you're like, oh, I still got time. <laughs> I still got time. Or am I the only one that really does that? Oh, okay. All right. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Danny. And so what we do is, all right, I got to get going, and we take off, and then we yell at the red lights because they're taking too long. We yell at the car in front of us because there's now all of a sudden going too slow, you know, and we, we, we just start getting upset and frustrated. We hit a train. There's a detour, and before you know it, we come up with these excuses. I'm sorry, I'm so late. You know, traffic, traffic was heavy. I was just, I was behind this slow person, and reality was, it was not, everything was still normal, you were just in a hurry. You had no margin. You didn't give yourself some wiggle room. You know, I worked at Gentex for four and a half years, and my shift always started at 6.30 in the morning. And I love it because I would get there, <laughs> confession, I would get there at 6.29, you know. I always made it, and that's bad, okay. I didn't speed, but I was there. But I would always see a lot of people there um, sitting at the table, drinking coffee. Actually, it's fun. it was cool to see some people just opening a devotion Bible and just doing something before the shift started. But I would, I would, I would talk to them, like, how, how long have you been here? Oh, about 5.45. What? 5.45? Yeah, you got to give myself some room, some time to breathe. That's what they would say. I want to relax for a little bit. I want to get my mind straight. Then I'm going to go to work. And I never learned. <laughs> the whole four and a half years, I never learned. Because <laughs> God called me out. <laughs> That's an excuse. But what I'm saying is that margin, they, they created that margin. And I, I, every time I would say, man, I want that margin. You got to create that margin in our lives. Because it really does bring rest and relaxation. It eliminates stress. eliminates uh, frustrations. You know, and, it, and ultimately, it gets you there way ahead. I mean, there are moments that, that I've done that. I, moments, I say, not all the time. Moments I would have done that. And God would use me to speak to somebody. Because I had margin. I wasn't so consumed with trying to just get to the other side. It, must, it has to be a must in our life to create margin within us. See, this is what happens when we don't have margin. It's, we get claustrophobic. Okay? I know one of the things that my wife and I, we, we play around a lot. We were just talking with some friends about this. But I, I love doing, like, the, the tickle game with my wife. And I'll, like, squeeze her and hold her and I'll do the side thing. And she doesn't like it because she gets claustrophobic. It's like, get off of me. And I do that with my children as well, too. They'll hold down because it's just the best way to do it. You know? No, she's saying, no, 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 it's not godly. <laughs> but claustrophobic, what, it, what happens is it creates panic and it creates shortness of breath. You know, I, I've seen it where kids are playing and I've had to stop it because they put a, a kid in a box because they're playing hide and seek. And then, like, they seal it and they sit on it. And it's like, get off. And you're like, oh, you just hear the pounding. 
They, they, they're fine. They can breathe. But really, when, when people are claustrophobic, it, you know, you start getting shortness of breath and you start panicking. You don't have to. But you, you do because you're, you're feeling that claustrophobic. And I believe when we don't create margin in our life for Jesus Christ, we face circumstances. It's like we're claustrophobic with these problems and issues. And we don't know what to do. And we start panicking. God, where are you? We, we start becoming shortness of breath. I, I don't even know if I can even do this. I, I, I'm so distracted. I, I read the Bible, and I just don't know what it's saying because my mind is everywhere. You're claustrophobic, spiritually speaking, because you haven't given yourself margin to be and spend time with God. Everyone say breathe. breathe. I got to breathe. You know, I, I, I simply want to share three must-believe principles for your life to help you breathe a little bit more easier in this and breathe better in your life. Can I give you three? Is that okay? And the first one is this, guys. It is better to have less of what does not matter and more of what does matter. I'll say that again. It is better to have less of what does not matter and more of what does matter. In other words, get rid of what's not necessary in your life. If it's not necessarily, why, why is it there then? You know, Jesus even talked, kind of used that, that terminology for, for sin. He, he talked about taking the extreme of just severing it away from your life. He even says, throw anything. Paul talks about take, cast everything off, every weight that holds you down from the calling of God so you can continue to pursue him. We need to understand that, that God just wants us to just get rid of the things that are not necessary because too many times we pick up things. You know, we pick up things, maybe unintentionally too, but we pick up these things and we try to walk this life out, but it just gets heavy sometimes and heavy and heavier and heavier. And the whole time God has never called us or even commanded us to lift that up. If you pay attention to scripture, it's always cast your cares. Cast your worries. Leave it at the foot. See, Jesus taught opposite of just releasing it. And then one thing he told us to take on was his yoke because it is light. His birth, it's light, he says. When you put on him, when you take on him, You'll see you're able to walk farther in life than us trying to take things on our, in our lives. Our mindset, though, sometimes in the world, let's be honest, the world kind of portrays it as if you get more, it's better. If, you have, if, you, if, you, if it's not one, get two because two's better. And that really contradicts what God's trying to teach us. In Ecclesiastes 4.6, it says, better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping of the air. He said it's better just to have a handful, but yet peace and quiet in life, than two handfuls, but with toil, problems, issues, struggles. It's like grasping air. Have you ever tried to grasp air? Try. You never will get it. <laughs> you can't. And he's saying quiet, more is not better, according to God. Paul, Paul says it this way. He says this. He says, learn to be content. When we learn these basic principles... Like, learn to be content. Life becomes more pleasant and more easier. You know, maybe, maybe uh, I'm the only one. I'm hoping not. But have you ever gone to Meijer? Have you ever gone to Family Fair? And you're walking in the food aisle, and you see this island. Okay? Now listen to me for a second. You see this island that's not a part of the, the, the shelvings of all the food and the milk and the egg. No, it has its own island. And it's an island of Krispy Kreme donuts. 
You guys know what I'm talking about now, right? It's an island of Krispy Kreme donuts just, just sitting there. It's like you're, you're, you're down in the car and like something just like attracts you. You just kind of look. And it's like this, the light's shining on it. It's just perfect. You make sure the wife and the kids are far away. Just walk over here. And you look at the island of Krispy Kreme donuts and, all right. And I grab the box of six. And as I'm walking away, you turn around like, oh, there's a box of 12? You grab the box of 12 and you pick it. Don't leave me alone. Do you guys do that too or what? Come on. Krispy Kreme donuts are good. That's all I got to say. But you start, you start, again, it's the same donuts. There's the box of six. I've caught myself, oh, I got a box of six. I turn around and I was, oh, there's a, there's a box of 12 and I would rather take, because I feel like more is better. It's better. But reality is we go home, we eat two of them, and we're like, oh, you know, we hurt ourselves. Like, we can't. And then those donuts just go bad. Those, and then, so you have to share the wealth, you know, and do that whole thing. They don't go bad, okay. They don't go bad. Look, church, the reason why I say this is because more is not better. More is just not satisfying. That's all it is. More is just not sat- You're always going to want to crave more. If it's not then for me, that donut, then tomorrow I'm going to want that donut. You know, and I'm going to go back and get more. But what does matter, church, is your time with God. And I'm going to continue to press on that. Your time with God is what truly matters, however that looks. You know, I've had conversations again of how do I do that? How do I have time with God? Look, it's not a cookie cutter. How did God create you? Are, are you a worshiper through music and song and you can encounter him? Can you listen to your Bible with, on audio, on the phone, now that you have you version? Do you need that quiet time? One of my favorite, I absolutely love it, is just looking and staring at water. Especially Lake McIntyre, Lake Michigan, I hear God. Because I see the ripples of the waves and I see how God commands all the winds and the waves to just stop right there. It's like I can see God. How did God create and, or what did he, how did he wire you to fellowship with him? Your time with God is what really matters. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Again, he says, seek first his kingdom. Not Krispy Kreme donuts, but he says, seek first him. In other words, his time, your time with him matters and is priority in life. Number two, better to live by design than by default because you were designed by him. You weren't manufactured by God. He knitted you. He counted every hair on you and created you with such a unique gift that no one else has it. He's designed you with purpose. I mean, you were created to run and run with direction. In other words, you put a football in a football player's hand. What you just did was you gave him, he's now got goals and a, and a direction to go that way, no matter the obstacle or the opponents. You put Christ in a person's heart, now they got direction and a goal, no matter the obstacle, to live for the kingdom of God. You were designed to do something. Hebrews 12.1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. That last part. God has set before us. That means every person was given a race to run here on earth. Every single one of us, 
The moment we come to Christ, it's revealed to us. But it is up to you. It is up to me to take those steps in that race. You were given that race, but will we run the race in Christ and with Christ? Church, I encourage you and remember, encourage those around you. You were designed, they were designed for destiny and a purpose. And the last one I want to say is this. Better to get the right things done than more things done. Again, better to get the right things done than more things done. Done. For instance, I can, I can mow the lawn, I can wash the car, I can clean my garage, and I can feel accomplished. Yeah! But in the process, if I neglected my wife and my kids, I'm getting nowhere. And it's not the right thing to do. Busyness can really hinder what God has, has called us to do. We, if we are too busy doing things, making a living, but yet we neglect that time with God, we're missing it. You're missing it. You know, in 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay? Make the right choices. Do the right things. Prioritize what really matters. If anything else out of this message, one thing I want you to get today is put God and your time with him on top of anything and everything else. Because when you do so, he gives you that breath to breathe in circumstances. You know, Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And when we are swamped with busyness in life, we're not setting our minds above. Actually, when we, we are consumed with busyness and, and not really get into that time with him, what we're, what we're doing is we're putting our minds on earthly things and not of things above. And we counter what God is wanting us to do. Again, Martha and Mary. Mary understood that moment that I'm going to set my things on Jesus. I'm going to listen and be in tune. I'm going to talk. I'm going to fellowship. Now, Mary wasn't, uh, Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. Her intentions were right, but the priority was wrong. You see, she was doing it for Jesus. Jesus is in the house. And she was prepping, and she was making, and she was, she was rolling the tamales and flipping the tortillas. She was doing it all. She was cooking it up. And for good intentions, because she wanted to host well. But Jesus wanted her just to spend time with him. And so I love it. All he did was just prioritize for Martha and learn. And Martha had that teachable and learning moment. You know, God's priority, I mean, I talked a little bit about what our priority should be, but you know what God's priority is? People's hearts. People's hearts. That's his priority right now. Because his mission, his desire, his whole deal is that people come to him so there can be reconciliation between mankind and God. The way he originally established it. That's the reason why he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross. He sent him to the cross because his desire, his heartbeat, he bled for you guys. That's just how much he loved you, how much he wants you. You know, there are times where, where I would say, God, man, there's so much going on in this world. I mean, go to, go, to, go to social media, turn on the news channel. You can see things are just not going right in this world. And I've caught myself, and I've repented, by the way. I've caught myself saying, God, just, just take us now. Take the church. I'm tired of this. You just get tired of it. And 
God would gently show me. <laughs> this is not about a timing thing. It's about a patient father. Because if I do this now, there are people that don't even know me yet. And I've had to learn, I learned through that, that I was called with the mission. And as I got a hold of the words that Jesus shared with me on, on he's a patient God, and he's waiting for those to turn back, I started seeing the prodigal son. I started seeing a father who said, okay, they're rebelling, but I'm believing with my arms wide open that they're going to turn back and that they're going to come to me because the moment they do, I'm embracing them. Are you walking away from God right now? Do you know somebody, maybe in your life that is, and you have an answer for them but really haven't spoken up? You see, in the, in the prodigal son, it says that the father's arms were wide open and that he actually pursued the son and he wrapped his arms around him. If the, if the father himself's arms were embracing the son and yet scripture tells us we are the body of Jesus Christ, then who are the arms and feet of Jesus? Me. You. You see, we pray sometimes, God, send somebody. And God's saying, I sent you. You're there for a purpose and a reason. Be my arms and embrace them. Let them know I love them. That's a mission. Now the desire of my heart is God, but not yet. There are still people out there that don't know you. And I will, I would, I would walk this life knowing I have your promises and giftings. But there are people that are just not breathing yet. They're not in their full element yet of what they were created to be because they simply don't know you. Church, it is time for us to rise up. It is time for us to wrap and saturate those people around us. Again, Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. Then he says this, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If there is strife or issue between someone in your life, God wants you to put whatever you're offering to him, leave it right there to go reconcile it because he wants to use you fully so you can have fullness of him. How does that look? Ask him. He'll show you, and he will give you the steps to take. He's saying love God and love people because when you do that, that makes a difference in eternity. That makes a difference for the kingdom. Not giving, getting everything else straight in my life and trying to fix myself and I'm trying to walk this thing. No, no, no. We'll miss it sometimes. But love God with all your heart and all that you got and love people and pursue them for the kingdom. Your priority is straight. Your kids, your spouse, your neighbors, your family, your friends. That's what really matters because it matters to him. Breathe in this journey right now called life. I'll close it with this one little story. Almost every day when I come to the office, almost every single day, when I drive from the north side down to the south side, I could take US 31, I could take River all the way through, but I always decide to take along the scenic route, and I'll take Collin Park, I'll go behind the scenes, kind of the South Shore Drive area, because it's so scenic and so peaceful. You know, I, I've learned to give myself margin today now, obviously, you know. And I've noticed when I do that, I get to enjoy the wind and the, and the, and the trees. And it's, it might be like, Jesse, that's so cheesy. That's fine. But let me tell you something. I find so much peace in that. I 
find so much just of God breathing. When I'm in the office, I'm happy, you know, because I was able to take a scenic route in this journey from one end to the other. When we, my wife and I, we, if we ever travel, we try to find the scenic routes. I remember last year we went to Traverse City, and we could have taken the highway. That was going to be two and a half hours straight to Traverse City, but we decided to take the three hours and 15-minute route that takes us to M22. And if you guys have been through M22, you know what I'm talking about. Scenic and beautiful. Because we want to enjoy the journey, not try to try to make it on a certain time or a due date. When we are in life with Christ and we walk this life with Christ, he wants you to take the scenic route with him. Because he wants to show you things. He wants to give you things. He wants to teach you things as you go on this journey. Take the scenic route, church. Let God marinate. Breathe as you walk this life. Let's go to bow our heads and pray.